Hi, this is Dr. Karen Becker, and we're going to discuss patellar luxation, which is also called luxating patella or floating kneecap. It's most often seen in small and tiny dogs, and actually the condition can kind of sneak up on you because oftentimes your dog seems just fine, no history of, in, you know, there's not an injury, there's not limping, there's no pain. These dogs are usually very, very active. They run and play normally. Sometimes the only subtle sign that you can tell that your pet may be dealing with this genetic defect is that she skips or hops on a walk. So they're walking along fine, and then you see them pick up a back leg and maybe hop for a step or two and then put it back down and be completely normal. Um, and that's it. Uh, usually what happens is you have no idea that this genetic condition is going on and your small to medium sized dog is playing and then suddenly, yups, cries out, picks up a back leg, is holding it off the ground, hops along, is clearly in distress, and then tends to put the leg back down and keep walking like everything was fine. So it's like acute lameness, and then the whole issue goes away, which can be, of course, concerning um, because the recovery is just as amazing as and, and profound as the apparent injury was. So it can be super confusing to pet parents where their dog is suddenly injured and then appears to have this amazing recovery instantaneously probably luxating patella. So what you have just witnessed in these episodes is your dog's kneecap pops out of its groove or out of place, which causes him, of course, to stop in his tracks, hold up the leg, try and relieve the discomfort. In, in many of those instances, the kneecaps pop back in place when the dog picks up their, their leg. And so once the kneecap is back in its original location, they're completely fine. So these were super confusing episodes are very, very common for pet parents that own a dog with a luxating patella or a floating kneecap. Many people regularly tell me my dog was suddenly lame, you know, and then, you know, they call the hospital and say my dog is suddenly lame and now they're fine, but they, the fact that they were suddenly lame is really concerning for me. So this condition is very, very common and oftentimes you have no idea it's happening until there's this acute episode. So what's happening physiologically is your dog's kneecap sits like a little pea in a pod at the same place in her leg that yours does, which is at the distal end or the far edge of the femur or thigh bone. The patella helps the quadriceps muscles move smoothly across the joint between the thigh and the lower leg. And the kneecap moves up and down in a wedge-shaped groove right on the thigh bone. The patella ridges hold the kneecap in place. And as long as the ridges are deep, then it really means that the kneecap can sit beautifully, kind of lodge where it needs to be, then there's no issue. But if the kneecap, uh, in many, many dog breeds, this is the case, where there are flat patellar ridges, where there's not enough of a ridge to actually hold the kneecap in place, that means that the kneecap can move. And it can move either to the inside or to the outside of the groove that it was originally designed to sit in. In larger dogs, the kneecap tends to pop to the outside, called a lateral luxation, while in smaller dogs, the kneecap tends to pop to the inside, or a medial luxation. The genetic predisposition for floating kneecaps occurs in many tiny dogs, including miniature and toy poodles, the Maltese, Jack Russell Terriers, Yorkies, Pomeranians, Pekingese, Chihuahuas, Papillons, and the Boston Terrier. Short-legged dogs like Basset Hounds and Dachshunds, are, they don't have the genetic predisposition for this to occur, but because their femurs are so short, sometimes it can change the ergonomics of the knee and dogs can end up with a luxating patella even though they have a deep groove or patella uh, groove. Large breed dogs actually have less of a genetic uh, predisposition with kneecap issues than smaller breed dogs. Larger breed dogs typically have a nice deep groove for their patella to sit in. However, some large breed dogs are prone to hip problems. And if the joint above the kneecap, which of course is the hip, or the one below the kneecap, like the ankle, develops a problem, then actually it can change the ergonomics of the knee as well, and you can end up with a secondary luxating patella. 
If there's a problem with your large breed dog's hips, it can eventually actually force the patella out of its groove. So that can be a secondary luxating patella as well. Large and diet giant breed dogs do have hip dysplasia with secondary patellar luxations because the hip joints were malformed and then of course that shifts the joint of the knee which can end up manifesting more so that the knee injury or comes on first and then you develop uh, when you take an x-ray of the knee that the dog has hip dysplasia. Now, cats can also develop floating kneecaps. However, the situation is usually much less severe because they're much lighter in body weight. Cats are actually much more flexible in their bodies, so they can move very, very differently as well. So a 10-pound cat with a kneecap issue is a significantly different problem than a 100-pound dog, especially because they do a really good job of shifting their body weight around so that they can compensate much better. There are four levels of severity of a luxating patella. Grade one is the mildest. Grade four is the most severe. A grade one luxating patella describes a kneecap that pops out or can be manually popped out by the veterinarian, but pops right back in on its own. A grade two luxating patella describes a kneecap that pops out of place and doesn't always pop in automatically, which means sometimes the veterinarian has to push it back in to reseed it in its natural place. A grade three luxating patella is when the kneecap sits outside of its groove most of the time, but it can be pushed back into its normal place where it will stay temporarily. And a grade four luxating patella is the worst case scenario, which means the kneecap sits outside of the groove all the time. And even when the veterinarian tries to push it back in, it pops right back out. So it's always seated in a very unnatural position. It's important to understand that a displaced kneecap can cause intense pain for the animal. In fact, in young dogs, often with strong resilient joint and cartilage, the patella can pop in and out without obvious signs of pain except that an original jolt when it moves out of its joint as it pops across the patella ridge. But then, of course, the pain doesn't seem obvious, and here's why. The femur and the kneecap are covered with cartilage, and cartilage doesn't have a nerve supply. So the pain of the bone sitting in the incorrect position isn't fully noted until the cartilage is completely gone. And then when there's nerve-to-nerve -nerve contact, there's intense pain. So this can become the case where you have a young dog where you notice that they're intermittently limping, but they seem totally normal in between, they're not having constant pain because they still have some cartilage that's protecting those nerve endings. As that cartilage wears thin, pain can become more notable and more consistent. In young pets, as cartilage wears down from the frequent travel of the kneecap in and out of its regular groove, which is basically the beginning of early arthritis, there will be some bone-to-bone -bone contact at some point early on in your dog's life if they have a significant kneecap luxation. And obviously the speed at which degeneration occurs depends on the size of your pet, the severity of the luxation, and the amount of use and abuse that those rear limbs take. The more well-muscled your dog is, the slower those changes tend to occur because muscle tone holds your dog's skeletal system, including those kneecaps, in place. So you can never underestimate amazing muscle tone for helping to slow down the progression of this condition. If your dog is diagnosed with even a mild grade one luxating patella, I recommend that you address it right away. The quicker you take a proactive approach to treating this condition, especially in young dogs, the better your chances of avoiding surgery down the road, as well as joint degeneration or arthritis and a decreased quality of life. The first thing you should do for a dog that's been diagnosed with, with a floating kneecap is to help him achieve and maintain his ideal body weight. So the heavier the dog, the more burden there will be on both of his knees. So if your dog tends to be a little bit overweight, diet him down to his ideal body weight. Optimal body weight for your dog means a lot of lean muscle and a reduced amount of fat. And keeping him lean is just less stress on the joints. Number two is it's very important to maintain your dog's motion. Maintaining excellent muscle tone will help give your dog's body kind of a cage around that knee that will help stabilize the patella. 
years ago, veterinarians actually advised dogs with floating kneecaps to not move, to kind of keep still and rest. And we know that that's a really bad idea because the body, the muscle tone goes away and the, the knee ligaments can become more lax, which can actually exacerbate the condition. So the more toned the muscles of your dog's legs, then the more stable the kneecap will be. Building muscle is a really important part of reducing the clinical symptoms of a luxating patella. Muscle tone can't be bought, which means no matter how many supplements you put in your dog's mouth, it doesn't constitute a great muscle or a great body tone. So you must simply do the hard work, which means daily aerobic heart thumping exercise to intentionally build muscle tone. An hour of exercise is my recommendation. Um, and now it doesn't have to be a lot of jumping, but daily aerobic quadricep building muscle tone is really important. If you can't keep up or physically do that, or if your pet is too painful or obese to move that well, then I highly recommend you send your dog to a physical therapist or a rehab therapist who can get your dog into an underwater treadmill to begin building that critical muscle tone necessary to hold her kneecap in place, as well as support the other three limbs that are burdened by the dog offloading. The third thing I recommend you do is to provide your dog with oral joint support in the form of glycosaminoglycans or GAGs. So glycosaminoglycans, G-A-Gs, we just call them GAGs because glycosaminoglycans is a big word. These are the raw building blocks for cartilage repair and maintenance. And there are several different types of GAGs on the market specific for veterinary use. However, I typically use primarily human oral joint support supplements to help maintain the integrity of the knee cartilage while also improving joint fluid. And those include SAMe, glucosamine, chondroitin, Pernamuscle, MSM, and several different natural anti-inflammatories which can help with pain, including curcumin. I also recommend that you discuss this, this subject of luxating patella with your integrative or proactive veterinarian who will be able to suggest and actually provide the right amount of supplements to rebuild and maintain strong resilient cartilage as well as appropriate joint fluid for your dog. I also suggest that you talk about Adequan with your veterinarian. Adequan is an injectable gag, which is an injectable joint support that rapidly helps um, slow down premature arthritis, but also builds a lot of great joint fluid. So it does a great job of slowing arthritis secondary to this condition. Chiropractic and acupuncture can also be very beneficial for dogs with luxating patellas in terms of reducing pain as well as wear and tear on the rest of the body. If you have a puppy with this condition, there are some really effective chiropractic manipulations that can be performed to help the hips and knees be in good alignment that will also help reduce the progression of this disease. So I recommend that you start chiropractic care as soon as the diagnosis is made. I also recommend that you feed a nutritionally balanced, species-appropriate diet by feeding your pet a naturally anti-inflammatory diet, which means one that's very low in carbohydrate content. You can actually help reduce the amount of inflammation in your pet's body. Feeding a species-appropriate carbohydrate-free diet can especially reduce inflammation. So because carbs aren't listed on your pet food label, you are going to have to do that carbohydrate calculation, which should be in the article associated with this video. You're going to have to break out the calculator and actually do that equation because I want to make sure that you're feeding your dogs less than 10% carbs if they have this inflammatory musculoskeletal condition because diet is a great way to help minimize pain. Many veterinarians often recommend surgery for any grade of luxating patella, regardless of the severity of the condition. Sadly, I mostly hear about clients who have been told to do none of these above suggestions, but simply wait until the pain is crippling or the knee has degenerated to the point that the dog is totally lame and then make an appointment for surgical repair. Well, as you can imagine, I'm not a proponent of waiting and doing nothing, nor am I a fan of doing surgery unless the condition is absolutely destroying your dog's quality of life. 
If your pup can't run or walk without intense pain or is having lameness associated uh, with a lot of you know, decreased quality of life episodes, then absolutely you should consider surgical correction. But not before you've exhausted all of these non-surgical options trying to improve your pet's quality of life. There are two main goals for corrective surgery for uh, luxating patella. Usually these occur between grade three and grade four luxations. One method is to deepen the trochlear wedge. So if the joints are flat, the veterinarian carves a deeper wedge to help the kneecap sit in a more appropriate location. The other goal of surgery is to moderate the amount of tension in the patella capsule or ligament by tightening down the joint capsule. My recommendation is to explore all possible non-surgical options to help stabilize your dog's knee before you consider surgical correction. But this should be done the minute that you see your dog is skipping on a walk and not after years of wondering, why is my dog skipping on a walk? So it's important you address those symptoms right away. Surgery for this condition carries the usual risks associated with, of course, anesthesia and infection, but there are a few other issues that can come about. And usually this comes about because of the pin that is inserted during this corrective procedure. If the pin that's inserted, uh, that's usually placed to hold the joint capsule in place, if it migrates, that can be a problem. There also is a secondary risk of abscesses called a seroma that can also occur, and there can also be uh, repair collapse. Post-surgery, your dog can't run or move around for about two months to allow the, the site of injury and surgical repair to stabilize. This is, needless to say, really hard to do for some of these small dogs, so it's not uncommon for the repair of a really active dog to break down during this period, but honestly, this is more owner failure than dog failure. So when the surgeon tells you you must restrict exercise after these surgeries, it's really important that you follow the surgeon's orders. Very, very important at reducing post-surgical complications. Around 10% of dogs actually don't so show improvement after surgical correction. They continue to experience pain. In addition, some kneecap repairs um, can actually cause problems with other joints and bones. I have found actually in my uh, perspective that the majority of failed surgeries have two root causes. Either the repair was done way too late, so the amount of degeneration and arthritis was really profound inside of that joint, or the surgeon was not experienced enough to actually do the procedure. So if you're considering having this procedure done, I strongly recommend that you contact a board-certified orthopedic surgeon or a veterinarian that has tremendous surgical experience so that you can make sure that you're gaining the most potential out of this corrective procedure.